Welcome to the Something Something Experience Podcast Episode 76. I'm Michael John Simpson. This episode features homemaker and founder of the Contrary Dame Jewelry Store, Mary Sirocco. Mary and I sat in her jewelry-making cave and talked about business, showbiz, pop culture, social issues, privilege, and intersectionality. Be a megaphone rather than a voice. Here's Episode 76 of the Something Something Experience. Here we go. Cool. We're up there running. Hi. Hi, how are you doing? Fine, how are you? I am quite well, thank you. As you can see, I'm surrounded by beautiful things. Yeah, this is all your all your stuff. All, all my... your 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 jewelry making accoutrement. Yes. <laughs> yes, I'm not even sure of what all is here, but this is the place where the magic happens, the in the birthplace of my business. The Nice. Yes, my art. Um you were just in Arizona at a big old jewelry. Show. Tucson, man. Tucson. Tucson is like hundreds of jewelry shows. Nice. Yeah, from big, huge ones under circus tents to a, a wagon circle of RVs who have been rock hounding all year and are just selling raw turquoise. Wow. You know, from the most formal to the least formal and just the, the most incredible prices and the most incredible things you've ever seen. Geodes that I could sit inside and... Wow. Yeah. That's cool. Really inspiring. Really inspiring. Uh, went with a friend of mine, Jackie, uh, jewelsbyjackie.com. Uh, she is actually uh, mentoring me, which is really, really amazing to me because a lot of artists are... Uh, maybe, I don't know if I'm right about this, but a lot of people seem to be very close to the vest with their skills, with their knowledge, with their stories. Um, they, they don't want to help out fellow people in their industry or in their business. And sometimes that's rightful, I guess. But um, th- this girl is really, really taking the time out, even though we're essentially doing the same thing. Right. Not the same style of thing, but but she's... She took me to Tucson. She's showing me how to do all kinds of things. She's not charging me anything for it. She's enthusiastic about it. And where did mentorship go? Right. Right. You know? Yeah. Where did mentor... I think that we really need to come back to that. Mentorship, apprenticeship, learning things from people as opposed to necessarily in classrooms, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think that definitely applies largely to... And I have to think about this before I say it, but it seems like that applies largely to skills done with the hand. Right. Skill, right? Yeah. You know, things that are done when you're working with your hands in some fashion. Mm-hmm. Could be anything from being an electrician to jewelry making to clock, construction, clockwork to whatever it is. Yeah, you 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 work under the tutelage of someone with vast experience. Yes, and usually for free or something. But you're you're getting that thing, and eventually you pass that on to someone else. Right. And yeah, I like that. I like the idea of that too. Um, I'm much more respond to, well, I respond to one-on-one training, but I've never really been very typically very uh, good with my hands in terms of, I mean, there's some things I know how to do, you know, like wiring a light switch or changing the oil in a car, that kind of thing. But that Mm -hmm. was much more like stepdad stuff, you know, Um, but, um, you know, in terms of my career, well, podcasting, you know, this isn't a career, but, the, you know, in terms of doing this, I just kind of, like, listened and saw, heard what other people were doing and bought, bought a microphone and plugged it into an iPad, bought an adapter and plugged it into an iPad, and boom, I'm off and running. But the computer stuff is mostly self-taught. I bought my first computer to do schoolwork on and then was just interested. It, it piqued my interest. Of course, now... Had I known, um, I would have, uh, you know, I would have auditioned for more plays and, you know, joined comedy sports in Denver. And I know I've told the story before, but, you know, the, the regrets, the regrets. But, you know, as your grandmother will say, you have a marketable skill to fall back on, you know? It's true. It's true. But the problem is the way that technology keeps moving and the way that corporate America keeps moving it's insisting that you know more and more and more to do the same job because they want you, there's no more specialization. They want you, used to be there was over-specialization. Now they want you to know how to do the job of five or six people. Yeah. So they don't have to pay anybody and they don't have to pay benefits. Because that's, it's it's so far less about the salaries because the salaries in my field are amazing. Mm-hmm. It's the benefits. 
people don't want to pay benefits, and that's all the fault of the fact that medicine is a business in this country. Oh my god! <laughs> don't get me started on that. Twelve years of healthcare, and yeah, uh, you saw it. I work for a healthcare company now. You know, years before the ACA was even a gleam in Obama's eye, it, or <laughs> or or <laughs> under the feet of the. Yeah. The GOP, yeah, as yeah. it was... In Massachusetts, yeah. yeah. Thank you, exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Mitt e- Romney care is what it was. Thank you. Even before that, though, uh, I was seeing the way insurance companies were just taking advantage of not only the patient, but also the doctor, and pitting them against each other. Oh, yeah! Oh, yeah! You know, your insurance company says, oh, your, your, your doctor is wrong, you don't really need this treatment, and that's why we're not covering it. But your doctor is like, no, I'm telling you. Meanwhile, they're 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 paying for advertising on TV to say you need this drug. Go tell your doctor you need it. Oh, exactly. You mm-hmm. know, it's this big, huge thing where they know that if you know, and 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 they they give free samples to doctors. Say, oh. try our new drug, and this, and it's just this big, giant ball of bullshit, of bullshit. It really is, and. uh when the ACA was passed, insurance rates immediately spiked because insurance companies were like, And of course like, that was to... Obama's fault. Oh yeah, and it was, ooh, I wanted to just, having the inside view, but nobody was willing, everybody just wants the, everyone thinks Occam's razor means the most convenient explanation given n- knowing a quarter of the facts. You have to know the facts before you can decide which explanation is the easiest one. And facts is something that's just alternatively happening here in America right now, isn't it? You know, Mary, I've known you for a very long time. We met at a party years and years ago, mm-hmm. very shortly after Danny and I started dating. And at first I was like, hey, who's the rocker chick with the tattoos and the, <laughs> and the dickhead boyfriend? And then oh. <laughs> <laughs> as I've grown to know you and spent more time with you, you continue to amaze me and, and, uh, inspire me and, and, and in, in lots of different little ways that, that I certainly never expected just in terms of you, you so don't sit in any box that anyone could ever put out to be sat in. You just don't, you, you contravene and subvert convention and and conscription it's beautiful thank it's you beautiful thank you you so are much. not just some tattooed rocker chick you're not some just house frau married to a computer guy you're not just a uh you know a, a, a what was a single mom you know you you your intelligence and your your outward um you, you kind of radiate a positivity that that a lot of people could benefit from and and learn from and possibly even do well to adapt in their own existence. Well, I hope I can inspire that. Including me. Thank you. I hope I can inspire that. The the one thing that I've learned about boxes and people putting themselves in boxes and in scenes and in is that there's fun in every box. <laughs> do you know what I'm well, saying? Well, that's certainly been my experience. <laughs> <laughs> There's just too much fun in in everything to limit yourself to one thing. And I say this as a monogamous female, which is very ironic. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But it's just, I, I can't, I feel like I can't just live one life. I have to, I want to know all the things and all the people and know what their stories are and feel mm-hmm. their emotions. And I just, mm-hmm. it's it's become increasingly important to me in the last... Well, since I met my husband, I guess, and had the the time and the privilege to kind of sit around about these things and, and think, uh, what can I do for other people now that my life is comfortable? Because for many years it wasn't. Right. Oh, yeah. Um, what can I do to make a mark on the world, however mm-hmm. small it may be? Mm-hmm. Uh, what can I... I am Pearl Jam. What is my Jeremy? <laughs> Do you and and how am I going to sell tickets around Ticketmasters? Do you understand what I'm saying? What is what is going to be my like my gift I give to the world that's really therapy for me? You know, 
that that reminds me real quick. Sidebar: um, I was listening to Smartest Man in the World, Greg Proops, mm. and he was talking about love that guy. Talking about how uh, he's supposed to be on here at some point again. Um, he uh, he was talking about how they about the '60s and about Leon Russell having died last year, and. Um, about how there was like a documentary and they had uh, Willie Nelson in it in during the sixties. And you see Willie Nelson in a flannel shirt with no beard and a, and a guitar. And you're like, he looks like Eddie Vedder. He needs that fucking facial hair. <laughs> <laughs> I remember seeing that video. It went around Facebook a few weeks ago. That guy looked so young. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Probably still smoking the reefer too. Probably back then. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Mm. yeah. <laughs> looking a little more clean cut. Um, but Another little sidebar, uh, uh, 75 episodes in, no one else has ever mentioned Occam's Razor, so... Oh, wow, okay. And that's kind of what led me down the road of, of, wow, you continue to surprise me. You continue to, you know, it's one of those things where you you know someone and you think you know, not all about them, but you think you got a a, a bead on who they are and everything, and then somebody, and then you'll say something like that, and it's just like, whoop. Wow, nope, there's something new. <laughs> so I'm always trying to learn something new because I mean I'm I'm a high school dropout. Um mm-hmm. who ended up going to trade school for medical assisting a couple of years later, so I'm not formally educated at right, all. Right. Um I am Technically I'm not either. <laughs> right. I I'm one of those people who could probably go on Jeopardy and do very well because I'll pick out you know pick out things from things. I know I know a lot of things about books I haven't had the chance to read. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know I that's the thing too. There's a lot of there's a lot of books there's a lot of movies and TV shows I've never seen, but I full well know their cultural impact mm-hmm. because of other things and because of pop culture. Right. Pop oh, culture brings culture. brings things in, things like Saturday Night Live or Monty Python. Like Everything I know about European history, I know from Monty Python and Blackadder. And it's watching pop culture things that bring in elements of life or history or other subjects. It's all that, slices of life. Right, right, yeah. right, right, right. Yeah. Precisely. Yeah. Love you it. take it where you can get it. Absolutely. Yeah. That's why, you know, I'm an unapologetic watcher of television, of mm-hmm, movies, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. listen to her of uh, pop music when mm-hmm, I like it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't care. Because... Yeah. If something moves me, that's how it is. That's the that's another thing. That you, yeah, that I've been discovering lately that I know so many people who are just like uber goth or really like you said inside that box that they've put themselves in. Mm-hmm. But then they love like Britney Spears or they're like, sorry, I just love like I have a I have a friend um, that I've been hanging out with a lot, and she she is an unabashed, unapologetic listener to of just the craziest, you know. Just, just cheesiest pop, the current pop music, and I'm like, because I had to sit there with the spe- with it in a speaker piping into my ear, into my under my head, uh, all through last year. But I mean, that's the day I found out, you know, Prince died and all mm. that stuff too. But, mm-hmm. but I had to have this just pop music just piped into my face for a long time, and it was got a bit maddening. Normally, I could just tune it out, but now I hear a little, I hear, I hear a song that's like, oh God, I heard that every day for six it months. It stabs you in the yeah, face. It stabs you in the face. Where before I could just really tune it out, you know, <laughs> I had that kind of goth filter, that kind of buzz filter that could just kind of filter that stuff out. It's like, oh, that's not, that's not for me. I don't need that. And now it's like, ah, yeah, Justin Bieber. Ah. <laughs> well, Pentatonix went and covered a Justin Bieber song, and so now I can't hate that song. That's how that goes. But um, well, Weird Al covers something, and I love it now. Exactly. You know, that's the thing, you know do, or does a parody of it, and I love it, or does it in a polka, and I love it. You know, that guy, man. I'll tell you something. I've loved him ever since I was. Five. Mm-hmm. Ever since I was old enough that my parents wouldn't make me go in the other room to listen to Doctor Demento, mm-hmm. um, uh, and maybe four or five years ago, my nephew, who was maybe seven at the time, calls me up. Nick's nephew and calls me up and says, "Hey, Weird Owl is as he calls him. Weird Owl is going to be at the Costco signing his book. Will you please go get me a signature?" We saw you there that yes, day. Yes, that's right. Taylor, Taylor and I, well, then Trevor, but Taylor and I were there. That's I right. I still have pictures. We were there and you and Glenn. That was great. I forgot all. I forgot that. That was so great. To, just to hear some little kid love something that I loved since I was before. Since I was younger than him, yeah, yeah, amazing. Yeah, I'm, I'm obviously a, l- a little bit older. I was in junior high when I discovered <coughs> Doctor Demento, um, but I remember 
hearing Weird Al on Dr. Demento before he had ever even been on the show. He was just sending in tapes and right. letting Dr. play him. But I remember having seen Weird Al before he was ever on Dr. Demento was on the Tomorrow Show with Tom Snyder on NBC on, you know, very late night TV. What would be the, the kind of, uh, you know, after... What would be the the, the late late show? You so know, like after Craig Ferguson time. after Johnny Carson, right? Or actually the the second thing after Johnny Carson because oh, Johnny Car- it was the, Johnny Carson eleven thirty. Jo- Johnny Carson. Well, in Denver it was ten thirty. Oh, sorry. So it was news, then Carson, then a show, and then another, or then it was another show after. And so um, the Tomorrow Show, Tom Snyder, and it it was you know him smoking and Dan Aykroyd used to make fun of him on on SNL all the time in the 70s and um and Weird Al was on there and it was Weird Al and his accordion and Jim uh, John Bermuda Schwartz didn't have a drum 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 kit was banging on Weird Al's uh, accordion case <laughs> as percussion oh. sitting on the floor behind him holding his and amazing yeah and doing another one ride another one rides the bus oh my which God. the original 45 he recorded in the bathroom at UC I don't remember which UC he, he went to might have been Irvine might have been another one but um, the the co- he record he was the, the a DJ at the college and he recorded that song in the bathroom, across from the recording studio, and what an incredible story right? that guy is! Right, and Weird Al's just I, and just and just the nicest, nicest guy in show business. Seems very gracious. Absolutely, every single encounter, anything ever, ever, ever I've ever heard of him. There's never been one cranky story come, you know, that I've ever heard anywhere. Don't you love that? Yeah. Don't you love that when somebody is just every bit as nice as you would hope they would be? Dave Grohl. Yeah, yeah. Henry Rollins. Mm-hmm. I I can't think. Unless of you're a hipster in New York. <laughs> oh, well. I was I was dressed in a nurse's uniform, headed out of a doctor's office. So, but he was very very nice to me. I mm-hmm. interrupted his mm-hmm. conversation and everything. It's just super. Call me Henry. Yeah. Oh yes, I will. <laughs> I'll never watch this game again. Ew. <laughs> but yeah, it's just when man stay humble when you get big. Don't forget. Right. When your podcast is like a billion listeners. One of the things that, that reminds me, you're talking, you're talking about rock and roll and people being humble and this and that. The, I was, we were watching the super cut of the super mashup cut of James Corden's, uh, um, uh, car, carpool karaoke thing that he does on his show mm-hmm. and all these huge giant music stars that he's had in his car driving around and singing. And it's, how cool that is here's this here's this guy who was at one point just a little kid in in England and he now he's living in America and singing in the car with every every you know famous person that he's ever that he's ever loved and dreamed about and and dreamed about meeting and and it's just it's one of those things where it's just like it's just so damn nice you know you you, you think about the the 60s 70s 50s tv you know the johnny carson and there was always kind of this veneer of phony to it oh always and they made fun of that on sctv you know with the sammy maudlin show and about Mm -hmm. everybody it was we're dating ourselves over, over the top uh over the top uh, cheesy, you know, phony baloney stuff, you know, it's, I love you too, <laughs> you know, but, and, and, you know, Carson, there was that, there was a little bit of that, and it's like, you know, are these, you know, how are these guys really when they really hang out? Mm-hmm. Then you see that, and, and, and there's a more of a, I think there's more of a personal element in the last 20 years to late night to that kind of thing. There's a little bit more of a personal, personal element to it, and I think it's guys like Craig Ferguson and um, J- James Corden and and guy and J- even Jimmy Kimmel, yeah. Because Jimmy Kimmel, you and I, we used to listen to him on K Rock. He was the sports the guy. Sports guy, K Rock. Yeah. K Rock Sports with Jimmy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and you know now he's like one of the biggest. You know he's in he's, in, he's another Johnny Carson right. guy. You know. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. And he's a he's a pretty nice guy. Mm-hmm. Well, Johnny Carson turned out to be not such a nice guy. No, not a nice guy yeah. at all. Yeah. Not, not, not nice. You know, at disappointing all. because I used to sneak up and stay up and watch him, and yeah. I thought he was funny. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, it's that thing of you know, TV is TV, in real life, you're just like, no, fuck you, go away. And you know, letter, you know what, Letterman's kind of like that too. Oh yeah, He's, well, he was from that era for yeah, sure. But you know what, you got to think about like, okay, we're we're in an era where um, 
people, per, TV personalities like that, are, feel like they share more of themselves with us. But at the same time, we're demanding that they share more mm, with you're us. Right, you're right. We're taking pictures that's, of them. That's where the world is gone. You know? Yeah, that's and where the world is gone. It's that thing of of. You're never away from the cameras now. You're never alone. If you're famous, you're never away from the cameras now. Because everybody has a camera, a high-tech, high-def video, you know, 4K t- you know, camera, video camera on their phone now. And they either want money for the shot or they want bragging rights that they sell you. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. why I... Banksy's the way to go, man. What the hell does that dude look like? Nobody knows. Nobody knows. <laughs> or them. There's a theory it's a group of people. It's a team of people. Oh, Yeah. And I'm kind of subscribed to that too. It, it's it's possible because he has been all over the world. And yeah. It's like how do you fund yeah. that? Yeah. Um, but we need Banksy. We need stuff absolutely. like that. You know, we need art needs to challenge everything and everyone all the time. When we were in Bristol in December, Bristol, England, is where Banksy's from, mm-hmm. and we went on a little bit of a, a, a mission to seek out some of his work. We saw a couple of things, and the. One thing that we saw it was, it was a, I don't know what the picture was, but the word said, you don't need a building permit for castles in the sky. And we pulled up to where the map said it was, covered by scaffolding. Mm. And it was just like the most, uh, moment. I yeah. don't even know how to describe it. Yeah. That's great. You got to go and hang out with Melly. That's, that's fantastic. My first time abroad, and I can't even... I want to oh, honey, you've been abroad your whole uh, life. My whole life. <laughs> a mouthy, ballsy one, too. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. So, yeah. England was fun. Talk about the contrary dream. Tell us. Okay, well, this this thing was so sudden. Let me tell you, it actually begins back in my, in my 20s. I'm not going to go into too much detail, but it was a really, really rough time in my life. Mm-hmm. And as a result of a lot of things that were going on, I kind of gave up the creative voice and kind of silenced it in order to just sort of survive um, in the life that I was in and uh, put it all away. And for many, many years, however many years it has been since then, 15 or so, um, the idea of creativity kind of made me ill, made me really anxious uh, seemed like a waste of time. Was it because it was associated with that horrible time of your life? Yes. Uh, yeah, you couldn't wash it off. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that horrible time lasted about nine years. And um, somebody told me once that you walk for three days into the forest and then you turn around, you got to walk three days to get back out. So about nine years later, I started to sort of feel like, okay, maybe I could be a little bit. And I started writing, doing creative things on Facebook. And then all of a sudden... Like last July or August, I just pulled out some beads that I had and my husband had given me this craft room and I made something and somebody wanted to buy it and I made something else and somebody wanted to buy it and, uh, excuse me, husband said, okay, well, I don't want you to like mess with, uh, selling things under the table. Mm -hmm. So go ahead and start a business. Mm -hmm here I am mm-hmm. and uh, the ideas keep coming and I'm keeping very grateful for them and uh, it's amazing how they say life is short but really life is pretty long it's long enough to make real lot like lasting changes mm. it's long enough to heal from really bad mm-hmm. stuff yeah. it's uh, it's long enough to that uh, not every decision you make has to be your last has to stick forever. Mm, it's so hard to remember that sometimes. It really is. When you're in the middle of it, and you're feeling everything you're feeling, and you feel like what you're feeling is just, you're just never going to crawl out of that. It's so hard to remember that that life isn't short, but change is fleeting. And it's possible. Circumstances, moments are fleeting. Mm-hmm. And that can also make it seem like I, I don't know what it is about our brains and why I mean, I'm sure there's been papers and, and books and encyclopedias written on it but why it is we hold on to so much crap so much bad stuff and why all the good moments just seem so small and insignificant it's kind of like what Dennis Leary used to say that life is just you know life is just 
kind of like you know, paraphrasing them like basically like a sea of shit but you know but it's all about the little moments it's a cigarette or a piece of chocolate or a drink or an orgasm or, or a hug or a or hug or whatever and it's so those little moments that that get us through to the next to the next little one, moment little moment yeah that's why i love little slices of life so much that's why i love people who post you know what, what they're having for dinner on Facebook. Yeah, what they're feeling. At Why the would moment. you ever shit on somebody who's like, I had a great meal. Look at this meal that I'm about to have. This I want to remember. You know, I want I want to look back and you know when they have that Facebook thing. That, that's I I kind of sometimes the things that Facebook reminds you of is like <laughs> I did not want to remember that. And <laughs> sometimes it's like, oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. and it's you know, but I I guess that's you can't ever control your experience a hundred percent. And I don't think anybody should. I think if anything, what we're going through now as a nation, that's good. A good example of that. You shouldn't completely control your experience. Um, a lot of the podcasts that I listen to are, you know, entertainment types. So screaming lefties and they're all kicking themselves now and talking about how they're kicking themselves now because they were in like an information bubble in which it was guaranteed that Hillary Clinton was going to win and everything was going to be fine and there's no way in in hell that Trump could win. And then at the end, it's like, oh, shit, what happened? And then now, unplugging from all these things that tell us, oh, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right, and unplugging from that and going, okay, there's more to this than just this little box that I put myself in. Yeah. And going and actually talking to people you disagree with and finding out why they feel the way that they do and why... and. It's not necessarily to change your mind, but it's just to be more aware. And all, and even if that's just to be more aware so that next time around we know, let's not delude ourselves. Let's let's realize that that everybody doesn't think the way we do, and there's a reason for that in their mind, whether it's based on bullshit or not. Mm-hmm. There's a reason why the people that, you know, why in some county in Indiana, people who voted twice for Obama voted for Trump this last time. Why, there's a reason for that, and and whether it's based on truth or or reality or fact or not, it still happened, and it's still there a thing were and factors it still that exists. led them to the decision. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't even I don't even know how to explain it. All I can do is just um, kind of speak out about what I feel, kind of take care of my my community as mm-hmm, well as mm-hmm, I can. Mm-hmm. Ask my friends who feel afraid of the things going on right now if I can help them. Yeah. Um, I think, in addition to the the jewelry and and starting up again and Bravo and Thank doing you. your thing and and clearly it is it it's it's a, such a fulfilling thing for you and such a, and and that's why I had to start the podcast again because I'm not making any money off of this I'm not doing I'm doing this for purely for me because I just want to get out out of my routine out of my responsibilities and just go and sit down and talk to somebody I know talk to somebody I don't know find out why they do what they do what they love and why they do it. And so in addition to that, your jewelry business, you've also created the allies ally group on Facebook, which Uh, I think is one of the most useful, helpful things because as we are the white, (laughs) I think it's the more time goes on and the more, you know, adversity we're all looking at facing here. You know, white cis men have been in charge for a very long time, and there's a lot that could be a lot better. And it's time for me, as part of that group, to just sit down and listen. Sit down, shut the fuck up, and listen. Well, you know, and in a lot of ways, I'm sitting down right next to you because, as a white woman, I'm I can probably reach your feet, you know, yeah, in the yeah. on the privilege ladder. Yeah, so yeah. I have a lot of listening to do mm-hmm. to people of color, to mm-hmm. to queer people, to trans mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. Um, just so many things that I never considered before. Um, I started the group because I have so many questions. Yeah. And yeah. because I really wanted to ask these questions and talk about these things. Sometimes I, I as an ally, I feel I, um, not necessarily put upon, but um, discouraged mm-hmm. by by the things that I'm trying to shoulder. Sure. Um, and I needed somewhere to talk about that without actually bothering or burdening the people I'm trying or to... Or getting in the way of... Right. Their progress. Because it's not about me. It's not about me. It's that razor's edge of, well, realizing your own privilege is the, is the big, huge, giant step forward toward the benefit of everyone. Mm-hmm. But then, 
what do you do with that? Right. What, how, how do you, how do you utilize that? How do you parlay that into actually serving the people who are, for all intents and purposes, own lack of any other word, oppressed? Right. That's why when I, whenever I post, exactly. Whenever I post anything in there, I think about, okay, am I just presenting a problem and going, oh, let's just all O and O and O at this? Or am I presenting a problem and saying, hey, what can we do about this thing in our communities? Mm -hmm. What can we do to speak out against this? What can we do to make people feel like we're behind them? Um, um, I try not to, to present too many problems without solutions because then the group becomes a huge downer. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I'm really, really interested in how I can act to help the people that I like, the people I love, the people I don't like that, that I don't know yet. Um, mm-hmm. I just, I, I, I've made some friends, people of color, women of color, um, uh, recently and just talking to them like human beings in a way that I felt that I, that I look back and realize that I had no idea how to do. Mm. Cause I'm always remembered of the story. I've told this on the podcast before. I'm always remembered of this story. That's from my own life of being at a party in which I'm a dumb white kid from the suburbs who thought public enemy was going to come murder me in my sleep. Cause I believed the hype and being at a party with a bunch of kind of intellectual multicultural kids whose parents were all artists and, and, and bohemian types, but they, they all went to, they were fiercely intelligent, very well read goth kids. They all smoked club cigarettes and dressed and read, they would read Proust and shit. You know Mm -hmm. I mean? That kind of thing. It wasn't just the whole affectation of being goth. It was that whole thing of really appreciate of knowing history and knowing art, knowing literature and knowing science and knowing math and fiercely intelligent people Mm -hmm. and multicultural I'm standing in the kitchen getting a drink and one of my friend's friends comes over and he is black and I hadn't really talked to many black people and wanting to be an ally, you know, what I, what I would later describe as wanting to be an ally. I just, without having anything to say whatsoever and not knowing how to relate to him just as a human being, just saying, Hey, how's it going? I'm Michael. How are you? Of having to say something that would mean something to him and just going, you know, I think racial prejudice is just stupid and turning around and walking away. <laughs> just the dumbest thing. And, and, knowing, and seeing the look on his face was just like, okay. I'm glad you think so. Thanks. <laughs> he didn't say anything at all. Oh, oh my God. And, and just, and now, you know, always being taught to challenge anything whoever challenged anything i believed in mm-hmm. ready to ready to rumble yeah with anybody who was like no you're you're wrong this is bad this is good this is bad and always being able to say oh it's not that bad you can't be that bad mm-hmm. and now it's just like tell me so i'm listening tell me you know and tell me about your experience tell me what happened to you at wendy's tell me what happened to you on the subway tell me about this person you thought was your friend who turned out to be a total racist piece of shit. Tell me about the professor who tried to touch you. Tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me. And uh, I got the turnaround to that a little bit this morning. I was uh, been talking for a couple of days about uh, men who will uh, message women after losing political discussions with them on Facebook. They'll message them. Into, uh, this guy messaged me and told me that uh, I was ugly enough to scare dogs off a meat truck. <laughs> And that's why I must date minorities. Which is a funny, I mean, that's, it's a, that's, it's that's a, a really great funny burn. insult. That's a great burn. I mean, it was it was funny, but then I'm just like, what a tool. <laughs> <laughs> and, but, but the thing about it is I was under the impression that this was something that an overwhelming, uh, ratio of, that overwhelmingly men did to women. Oh yeah. Um, but I, and I, admittedly my Facebook friend list is a very small sample, but I kind of put the feelers out this morning and I said, Hey guys, you ever gotten any messages from women like this? Yeah. And, and you know, there were some that spoke up and I was actually really surprised. Yeah. I, I, I responded to it and that's nothing like that has ever happened to me. I was never, I mean, I've been insulted by other white men mm-hmm. for being who I am, Yeah, but never, never I've had the tables turned where 
you know... A woman gets so angry at you that she just decides to message you to tell you you're ugly? Right. Uh, well, I, I, I... Yeah, I mean, people... people because of the way I wear my hair when it was longer or whatever, and sometimes they're like, oh, this guy's going bald, or, you know, whatever. And mm-hmm. like, oh, you know, your tattoos are stupid, or, you know, that <laughs> kind of thing. But it's just like, it was so long ago, and now I'm just like, I just, no, that hasn't really happened to me. And, and I'm you know, I mean, but definitely aware that that kind of shit happens to women all the time, mm-hmm. you know, where men, men lose an argument. So they got to insult the woman or, or, or question her, whatever. And yeah, some men feels like, feel like that, uh, violates their manhood. Yeah. It to be, to be one upped by a woman intellectually. Right. One of, one of my, one of my most helpful experiences on that level was going and working at an all girls school and being surrounded by women who was woman was the head of school. They all had doctorates and PhDs and, and master's degrees and just surrounded by fiercely intelligent people. There were male teachers as well as, you know, women who taught there too. But, mm-hmm. but, um, but just being surrounded by smarter people. And I don't know what that means that, that why I'm not intimidated by smarter people. I don't know why, but I think it's, when you surround yourself with smarter people, you only see only only it only serves to benefit you. Right. If you're the smartest guy in the room, there's something wrong with the room you're in. Hmm. Sometimes, you know, uh, that sounded wrong as soon as it came out of my mouth. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I go, I kind of get what you mean. But if you're the smartest man in the room all the time, then maybe you really aren't, or. Maybe you think you are, or more so than you actually are, maybe you or your your. I don't know. Maybe your time is better, sir. I don't know. I don't know what that means, but <laughs> but but yeah. But but so being around women who are smarter than me, women who had you know master's degrees or letters behind their name, and I'm just like I'm listening. Tell me, tell me the secrets of the world. You know, and that's that's really kind of rare. Yeah, my husband has that quality too, and you know, kudos on that. Thank you. You know, the the feminist movement needs men who uh, listen. Needs men who listen and who believe us and who uh, call out other men. Well, actually, <laughs> um, actually, what you need is yeah. yeah. Well, that's what we need, and um, I see you doing that a lot. I'm trying. And I, it's really, it's appreciated. I, I'm getting a lot of positive feedback from women who are just like, wow, thank you for getting it. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, you're welcome. And younger me would have been like, you're welcome, baby. What can I do for you now? Nah. And that, but now I'm just like, you're welcome. Just legitimately, you're welcome. What can, what else can I do? Please let me know what else I can do to help or to listen or to, con- or whatever, to whatever. Just you tell me what you need. I'm not going to tell you what you what I think you need. Right, and it's it's a really huge, uh, it's a huge step to let go of that little bit of ego. It's very very uncomfortable to let go of that little bit of privilege. Um, yeah, but it's so vital. But I don't see. That's the thing, though. Is I think a lot of I think a lot of the men who are snowflakes and worried about their privilege going away. So. <laughs> yeah. I, so what? What do you, what do you really think is going to happen? You really think you're going to be locked in a dungeon and milked for your seed? And you know, perhaps whatever. they're afraid it'll be treated as badly as they've treated, treated others. Women, yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's hmm. yeah. <laughs> I mean, really, on a deep psychological level, they might not even really realize that that's what they're afraid of. I no, I really don't think so. I sometimes. think maybe on a more superficial level, it's just any change in the status quo, right? Now, people are resistant to change in general, right? Exactly, um, but I, the, yeah, that's yeah. And, and being confronted with my own privilege has been uncomfortable at times. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. I've I have been told, you know, you are white, and this is how you are seen by you know more than one people in in whatever different qualities and, and to, to really, to put down, put down that defense and to go, okay, I don't have to hashtag not all white people. You, I don't have to be defensive and prove that I'm not one of them. I can just listen to the way you feel about it and understand that that's how you feel about it. Right. 
You know? And that's... And, and have that be okay. And it doesn't make me less of a person. No. And it doesn't make... No. And it doesn't mean that anybody's better or worse than anybody else. And it doesn't mean I'm a genocidal maniac, personally. Uh, all, all it means is you learned something. Oh. And, and what's what happens at the end of every South Park episode, at least for the first four seasons? Kenny dies. Uh, and oh. <laughs> I learned something today. You know, I mean, I mean, you know, what's wrong with that? There's nothing wrong with it except for people who think that they already know better than everybody else, yeah. which has been me at times. Oh, yeah. Mm. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, honey. Wing in the Hall of Fame over here. Just going into my Facebook memories, just like, uh, oh, oh, good. Delete that. Let's delete that. Let's pretend that never posted. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it, it, it only serves to remind me that 20 years from now, I'm going to look back at me at 41 and go, oh, God, you didn't know anything, honey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I, that was the thing about the Women's March the day after the election. And how amazing and wonderful that was. But then there were women of color and trans women going, mmm, kind of felt left out. And I'm like, oh, shit. Well, so then I started asking questions. I didn't defend anything. I didn't say you're wrong. I didn't, I asked, all I did was ask questions. Mm -hmm. And I posted about it. And I'm like, so did this women's march do absolutely no good whatsoever? Or because of the portion of people who felt left out or disenfranchised or um, not included did did what did the did the did the the sheer volume of that many people mostly women you know mostly women standing up and going no fuck you did that not serve a purpose and or did the fact that it wasn't necessarily seen by some as being all-inclusive and everybody welcome to the table, did it negate that? And that was just a, a pure, not loaded statement, not loaded question, just a pure big question mark of, mm-hmm. you tell me how this is perceived. You tell me how you feel about this. I must have, did I miss this? You might have, I don't know. How do people respond? Well, I have a, a couple of the friends that I made recently are women of color and a couple of trans people as well. And they're just like, it didn't, the women's march on, you know, the women's march over the whole country, the marches over the whole country the day after the election did serve a purpose and was of benefit because it, it made, it made them shit their pants. It made the, the, you know, Trump and everybody shit their pants and go, oh shit, <laughs> sure this did. is actually a thing. And this actually gives voice to the people as a whole. Um, and from that aspect, it wasn't just about women's issues. Um, but it was about the, the public standing up and saying, you're not going to be, we're not going to be your subjects kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, however, um, however, there's a, a, some of us who felt like there was a little bit too much white girl, woo! happening and not enough a lot of white girl woo and a lot of uterus 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 mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. exactly which not all women have right and so yeah the pink pussy hats and some women were making brown pussy hats because i don't have a pink pussy i have a brown one fantastic or that kind of thing too but but so um you know so it's just yet it wasn't a thing of of negating the power of that movement Mm -hmm. that day it was much more about let's not forget there's other people at the table and so so this was a stepping stone to uh okay now let's listen and do better exactly next time exactly yes yes that's what i got from it from the people that that i asked and who responded was was yes it was good but it could be better Mm -hmm. and i think that in essence is everything about the leftist movement in this country. We um, need to do better. It's just, we don't hate everything. We just think it could be better. And there's nothing wrong with improvement, of constant improvement. That's what should be, that's what life and community and country and... Civilization. Civilization should be about is guided, is is guided self-observation in order to improve everything for everyone. Yeah. And that's what I believe in. I want everybody to have an equal shot at everything. I think education should be free. I think medicine should be free. I think food should be free. 
I think I don't think that that anything like that, that anything that we need should be a business a for profit business. I just don't think that. The, you know, luxury food, sure. You know, not everybody's going to eat you know eat steak and lobster every right. day. You know, <laughs> you want to pay extra for that, great. But food, basic food, you know, hamburger and 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 rice and you know yeah. access to food, right? You know, that should you be don't free. Get in... Shelter should be free. Yeah, clothing should be free, or at least affordable. Right, right. You know, there, if you like Bernie Sanders said, if you work forty hours a week mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. takes up forty hours of your week, you should be able to go home to somewhere every night mm-hmm. and have a meal. I don't think any should, anyone should have to work over forty hours a week unless they want to. Unless they want to, yeah, fine. Um, but I think that you know, I think personally, I don't think anybody should have to work over 30 hours a week. I mean, France and other countries are working with, experiment, have been experimenting very successfully with shorter work weeks, more vacation time, more more free education. Oh, European thing. vacation time is the best. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think in Australia they get like four months a year off or something. Oh, Lord. Yeah. That'd be great. Yeah. And they're doing all right. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, and, and it, but it's also that thing of, of there's a lot of folks who sided with Bernie Sanders who are not so nice and not so inclusive and not so, Mm. you know, and then there are also people who look at Bernie Sanders and say, he didn't do a good job, a good enough job of discouraging that behavior too. I was a Bernie supporter. Yeah. Big time. Yeah. But yeah. You know, no matter what, nobody's perfect, no matter what you do. And, and I think that he was set up to fail from the start because they were focusing so much on Hillary. Yeah. Back to the women's March thing. I had, I know people, I know women, white women, who were just like, yeah, we did a thing, and then people, the people of color and the trans people came along and was like, yeah, it could have been better, and they're like, ugh, kind of took the wind out of their sails a little mm. bit. But. That's what we need to get over. Mm-hmm. We need mm-hmm. to, mm-hmm. we we need to, to, to use that as wind in our sails, instead of letting it take it mm-hmm. out. We need to. Put that, put down the defense. Put down the. Oh my God, isn't that good enough? What more do you want? Because that helps mm-hmm. nobody. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, we just put down the defensiveness. Yeah. Uh, what acceptance of white privilege does not require white guilt. Mm-mm. And that's what I've been trying to tell everybody. Mm-hmm. I don't have to feel guilty for being white. Mm-mm. I have a responsibility. Mm-hmm. To uh, try to use my privilege to destroy it, so to speak. Yeah, that's a that's a really great way of putting that. Yeah, let's I, use our privilege to destroy privilege, right. to destroy white privilege. Yeah. Right, and yeah, that's what I'm trying to do. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what the ally group is for, and I'm really, really, I'm excited about how much it's grown and how well people get along in there, and yeah. how. You do a good job of moderating that and keeping it like, let's keep this nice. Yeah. Because if not, get the fuck out. Yeah. Because this is not, this is the time when we need to be unified. This is a time for unity. This is a time for joining together and holding hands and standing up and going, no, fuck you. And doing it all collectively. Because what they want is us fighting each other tooth and nail and bickering and bitching about every little tiny detail of every little thing. So we will ignore the fact that we're being bent over a bar stool and raped every goddamn (laughs) day. Yeah. And, and even beyond that, even beyond we have to unite is, is, you know, uh, uh, white people saying we have to unite is, is code for assimilation, you know, in a lot of cases. So Mm -hmm. not only do we have to unite and stand together, we have to kind of maybe just lean back for a minute and, and let somebody else kind of guide the way and figure out how we're going to move forward, you know? And, and I'm okay with that. But I think what, what, what white people, and I was listening to another podcast, I think it was smartest man. And it was like, what white people can do is tell other white people to, to ease off, to back up, calm too. down and to let them know, Hey, these, these people are feeling this, that, you know, that's, that's one of the things that we can do with our privileges right. is let other people who are going to listen to us because we're white, other white people and just say, Hey, by the way, you know, there's other folks too, and they have other needs and other concerns and other opinions and thoughts, and they all need to be listened to. Let's listen to them for a bit. Right. So. Yeah, we need to give uh, be uh, what did my friend Lindsay say? Be a be a megaphone, never a voice. There you go. Yeah, there which I go. really like. Yeah, I like that. I like that. 
Shout out to Lindsay. <laughs> what have, what kind of stuff have you been consuming in terms of media? Like watching, listening, reading? Um, not a whole lot of TV lately, other than um, we've been watching Silicon Valley, mm-hmm. which I've been really enjoying. Um, Is that season three now? Mm, I two? think it might be on season three. I think we only watched season one. We never mm-hmm. watched season two. Funny stuff. Yeah. Um, oh, God. Somebody, I actually overheard somebody say... When Aziz Ansari was on SNL, it's like, hey, that guy from the Silicon, or that guy from Silicon Valley. Oh was my on. god, no! They don't even look anything alike. Two different people, <laughs> Two different, and of course, it was hey, the person was uh, the white. So, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, so Silicon Valley. Yeah, Silicon Valley. Um, other than that, um, just I, I, if I haven't had my nose in a pile of beads, I've just been on <laughs> Facebook, just trying to talk to my friends and listen to how they feel about nice. things and. And, you know, trying to, uh, trying to, to wade through the bullshit news and find real mm-hmm, news. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, the Hill, which is slightly to the right. I've been seeing that. And the Atlantic, which is slightly to the left. Okay. And those are the two top, two top tier of like real journalism, real, there's, there's, there's just from all the, the people who, you know, almost like the boffins of political, political stuff of, of people who are just like. If you really want real, good, well thought out news, The Hill and The Atlantic, mm-hmm. and, the, and those two are just slightly off center. Which kind of I am too. I'm really not. I mean, I, I consider myself more liberal than conservative, but really, I have beliefs that are all over the place. Sure, sure. And I used to consider myself very moderate and down the middle, and now I'm just a screaming lefty because yeah. I'm just so goddamn tired of whitey. I, I yeah, I feel like I'm I growing... never want to see another Seth Rogen movie as long as I live. <laughs> I feel like I'm growing a little bit more radical as I get older. I'm yeah. I'm, I'm ready to punch a Nazi if I have to. I mm. think um, I, I'm feeling more like words aren't enough. I'm feeling more like protests aren't enough. I mean, I, I know that you take a, an a, a more of a pacifist stance, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but um, I, I I'm I'm beginning to think that I'm going to need to be willing to to take a punch, you know, for this. Um, it's it's it's. It's not going to end nicely. No, right? Yeah, we're heading toward something. Something we don't know what it is yet. We haven't. There hasn't been enough time passed yet since the Cheeto got into office. But <laughs> but it's not going well for them. No, it's really not. No, from what I'm hearing, the his staff is being driven nuts. Oh yeah, they all think he's an idiot. But. My thing is, with all the things that have been going on, and everything that he's doing, and everything that he's saying, it's like, why isn't that enough to make this, like, a big fucking no? Well, why wasn't the, him right. making fun of a disabled reporter enough? Why, why wasn't why grabbing wa- by the pussy enough? Why wasn't wasn't him asking for Obama's birth certificate before this election even started eight years ago enough to, to ban him from office forever, yeah. from even running forever ago? Because that's the fault of the media. That's the fault of cable news wanting to keep their shitty advertising dollars by putting him on TV. Because if they put that big old piece of work on TV over and over and over again, people will tune in and buy the shit on the commercials. But why? I know. That's it. Do they they aspire to be someday rich and... and Ostentatious like him? Cable news just wanted to stay relevant and their only way to stay relevant was to feature this guy this completely out of out of the you know out of you know normality this complete alien and keep giving him airtime and i and i think that a lot of people on the right were um he appealed to them because uh um he wasn't a lifetime bureaucrat Mm-mm. um was a Breath of fresh air, a, a, being a loose cannon, shooting from the hip, which saying just means, what he means, which just means being a racist. Yeah, <laughs> right. It's <laughs> coded language is interesting, isn't interesting. it? Interesting, very interesting. But um, right. I'm I'm really I don't know. I'm struggling to understand it. I, I want to understand I, it. I get I get 100 percent disenfranchisement with our broken ass system in this country. Yeah, but taking it to this extreme allowing this extreme. You know, it was one of those things where, okay, Hillary wasn't our, our first choice. Hillary wasn't the best candidate we could have possibly ever had. Mm-mm. But instead of getting 
it, what it would usually be is like, well, we're not going to get the best, but we're not going to get the absolute worst either. Instead of getting the not of not of getting not the best, we got the absolute worst this time. I don't even know if it's a best worst thing. It's just a we got somebody who could have handled the job versus somebody who is uh you know put penguin in the middle of the desert. But her emails. Um, <laughs> we've been watching uh, Victoria on PBS, okay. which has Jenna Coleman from Doctor Who. Are we talking uh, like Queen Victoria? Yes, Victoria? Queen okay. Victoria. Um, it's all about her early life, mm. and Jenna Coleman's far too pretty for me to be and and, and thin to be Victoria. Um, but the guy they have playing Albert is just fucking perfect. And yeah, the, the and the costumes and the clothes and it's 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 one of those grand, lovely British. Historical, beautiful to historical look at. dramas, beautiful to look at, very well done, very well produced. It's not not entirely fact, factually accurate, but mm-hmm. eh. um, but it's it's delightful. Um, we just started very late in the game. We just started last night, the fall season three, yeah, which was a British BBC Two production. It's on Netflix, and it's Gillian um, Anderson mm. being British from X Files. Yes, okay. from X Files, blonde. And uh, uh, blonde hair and an accent as the, as the like boss chief inspector on a, a serial murder case in Northern Ireland, mm. and it's all about women's issues in the workplace. It's all about uh, women working in a men's world in a men's field. It's all about women, the things that women deal with on a regular basis. It's about women dealing with their own sexuality and doing whatever she wants. What's this called? The fall. The fall. The fall. It's it's her and Jamie. Jamie. Um, oh, what the hell's his name? The guy from Fifty Shades of Grey. The guy who played Grey in oh, Fifty Shades of Grey. Whoever he is. Right. Right. Jamie Dornan or whatever his name is. Okay. He's the Irish, but he's the he's the the bad guy, the the serial killer. Will I forget that he was in Fifty Shades when I watch it? Yes. Okay. Well, maybe. that's all I need. Well, maybe he 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 has this this propensity for playing these awful male characters. Oh. He's real nasty. He's like, you know, rapey, awful, blah, 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 you know, he's a zero killer in this, so. Fantastic. But it's all about him and his wife and kids, his family, too, and the police and the, the affairs in the thing and things going public and this and that and the public side and the behind-the-closed-doors side and, and all this stuff and, and, you know, the relationship between the police and the press. But it's all it all focuses on Gillian Anderson's character and the other women that are around and it's all these women's... They talk about women's issues all the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, she act, you know actually said something about... We've chosen to be in this male-dominated patriarchal field, but here we are just getting through the day every day after day after day. Come work for my team, you know, that kind of thing. <coughs> and so it's brilliant. It's just brilliant. Um, awesome. I'll can't recommend it highly enough. Then we've also watched Michael Bolton's big sexy Valentine's Day special. Man, I, I'm seeing a, an even split on my feed People who are like, what in the hell could this possibly be? And people who are like, it's the glorious thing. Do you like Lonely Island? I do. Then you will fucking love this okay, thing. I'm it's that have to big, check it out. broad SNL over the top. But take that and stick it in a a you know a, a holiday special on a network in the seventies or eighties. So it's okay. So it's like the, in, in the in the in the spirit of the Bill Murray Christmas. Morning. Yes. Okay. Very Merry Christmas. This is. You know, but it's Michael Bolton because you know he did the song with the Jack Sparrow song with Lonely Island Jack guys, Sparrow. and he's very self-effacing and very. But he plays the straight man and is surrounded by, and it's all these old SNL people, Maya Rudolph and and uh, Fred uh, Fred Armisen, and you know it's all these different SNL people, Casey, Casey Wilson, and and then you have, and then it's also a telethon, so you have and Santa Claus is in it, and, <laughs> and it's and it's a pony, and I went, you know, and spaceships, and you know, it's like an eight-year-old kid dreaming this thing up, but there's a celebrity panel of, you know, phone phone bank with Janine Garofalo and Bob Saget and, <laughs> and, and Sinbad. And, <coughs> no way. And, yeah. And it's just, it's just... Are you sure Sinbad was in it? Because there's... <laughs> <laughs> well, it's no genie movie, I'll tell you that. Um, <laughs> Kazam. Um, that sounds amazing. I'm going to have to check it's, that out. It's... If you like that ridiculous nonsense that, that Lonely Island puts out. Which I do. And the SNL shorts that, that Sandberg did <laughs> with every celebrity who came through the one with Lady Gaga, it's okay in a three-way. You know, if you if you like that ridiculous over-the-top humor, 
you'll love it. Okay. You'll fucking love it. And it's Excellent. Michael Bolton, and it's fun, and it's, you know, it's Kenny G, and, and this and that. And Sandberg plays Kenny G. In it. Oh, jeez. And they fight. They have I a, need they to have see a, this. They have a saxophone versus voice fight, voice <laughs> fight you know, and it's just... It's it's magic. That it's just awesome. it's just the sil- it's just so dumb and so silly, and it's just something that we need right now. It's just such a great, beautiful distraction from mm. the serious business of getting through the day in 2017 America. And I'm it's on board. Very nice. I'm gonna have to check it out. One thing that we did watch recently that I was quite struck by was um, it's a movie that came out a few years ago. Um, Control, mm-hmm. uh, the um, uh, biographical pick about uh, Ian Curtis. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the Joy Division document, mm-hmm. biodoc, biopic. Right, yeah. his wife, Deborah, wrote a book called Touching from a Distance, mm-hmm. which I'm almost three quarters of the way through now. Um, spoiler, he dies. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the day before their American tour. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that that movie really struck, and anybody who has any kind of interest in musical history at all, I, I recommend it highly. Um, and, unless you're really going to be ruined by the fact that Ian Curtis was kind of a jerk. Yeah, he was kind of a jerk. Kind of a jerk. Talented, but kind of a jerk. Yeah. It, well, it's so, that thing. Don't be a jerk in real life if right, you're talented. Right, right. I remember um, all the room when, when Ian Curtis, when, when we would talk, I mean, when we were talking in high school about Ian Curtis, he was already long dead, but talking about how he died and 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 the the grandiose nature that people would describe his suicide of, of him standing on a block of ice and there were scuff marks on the ice oh. and, and you know just dumb shit like that and, and that would take like, so long no, standing on a block of ice right and that would be because of course it's it so because long and dramatic he so, wanted yes so, so he would torture himself for hours and hours and days and goth. yeah yeah exactly exactly but that's the thing though Joy Division was not a goth band no they weren't they, they were not. it wasn't really even that it's funny people just think goth equals depressing. It's like, no, Joy Division was depressing as shit. The Smiths were depressing as shit. None of those bands were goth. The the Alarm from Australia. The Alarm. Depressing as hell. Not a goth band. But then you've got bands like The Cure. You know, you, you listen to In Between Days. That's not an unhappy song. No. Well, Friday I'm in Love, for fuck's <laughs> sake. Which he wrote right. as a joke. <laughs> and ended up being a huge hit. Um, yeah, that's good well, job. Robert. Well, they they would always tell talk about you know oh goth the goth this goth that. And he's like we're just we're just making pop music. I could I could it would be very easy for me to just write a pop song and get it in the top ten like that. And then they're like oh, okay, so he did. So he did. He wrote Friday I'm in Love, stuck it on. And then, you ever see the video from Friday I'm in Love? I have. And so the Cures and um, <laughs> and and he did and it boom and what do you, what when you go to the grocery store what do you hear uh, Love Cats uh, Friday I'm in Love close to me or Friday I'm in Love right. Or oh, sometimes... Man, I'd love to hear close to me at a grocery store. I've heard that recently. We had our, our uh, the first dance for our wedding picked by the grocery store. The third time we heard Never Tear Us Apart while we were in the produce <laughs> aisle and ended up dancing there. In instead excess. Of, yeah, yeah. We yeah. went, oh, that's going to have to be. ask me <laughs> what you know is true. Um... Plug your stuff. Where can people find you online? Where can they find The Contrary Dame? Ah, um, I am on Facebook.com slash Contrary Dame. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, let me get a business card to make sure that Woo-hoo. I do this accurately. Oh, there you go. There you go. Yeah, I have all my shit written out. <laughs> all right. On Instagram, I am at Contrary underscore Dame. Mm-hmm. Uh, Twitter, at Contrary Dame. And Etsy, Facebook, and Pinterest, I'm all those sites. And then uh, slash back, backslash the Contrary Dame. Cool. Um, this Sunday, I'm going to be at the Endless Night mm-hmm. uh, Los Angeles Vampire Ball. That's the next weekend. That is... A week from today. A week from today. Cool. Yes. Cool, cool, um, I'm do- I, I'm I, with, with Gallifrey coming up and Valentine's Day and everything, mm. I'm going to do my damnedest to try and get this podcast up this week. Oh. It might not go up till next weekend. Not a worry. I'm going to tell you see. about everything I got coming up. All right. Cool. <laughs> uh, March 11th, I have a craft fair in Sunland, California at mm-hmm. the New Hope Community Church. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping some people will come out. I'm usually the spookiest one there, but Yay! there's some cute stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Um, May 6th, I've got the Bat Stay Black Market down mm-hmm. in Anaheim. Yay! So, Say hi to Noah, for, for, former podcast guest Noah Corda. Ah, yes, I will. And um, then May 13th, I've got another craft fair at the New Hope Community Church in Sunland again. Fantastic. So things are things are going all right. Nice. Thank you. That's excellent. Yeah. Mary, thank you. Thank you so much. This you're, was such a treat. You're such a dear friend, and and anytime you want to come back and talk about whatever, fantastic. Please do. I love it. Thank you. I'm at Saint Michael on Twitter. That's S A Y N T M Y K L. Check out our blog. Listen to past episodes on something2xp.net. 
We are everywhere online as Something2XP. Please subscribe and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play Music Podcast. That really helps us out if you could do reviews. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Like us on Facebook and Google+. Email us at Something2XP at gmail.com. And remember, please be kind. You've just listened to the Something Something Experience podcast with your host, Michael John Simpson. Something 2XP was conceived and produced by Michael John Simpson. Intro music, Ways to Change Faces, and outro music, Scorpio 37, was written, produced, and provided by the talented Sebastian Ciceri. Please visit our website and blog at something2xp.net. You can find us online everywhere as Something2XP. Please subscribe and review us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and find us now on Google Play Music. Please follow us on Twitter and Instagram, and like us on Facebook and Google+. Please help support our podcast and get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash something2xp. Email us at something2xp at gmail.com. We invite your feedback. Please be kind.